0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen.
1: And I'm Caroline.
0: And today we're talking about boobs in motion. (laughs) Boobs sweating. Boobs bouncing. Boobs
1: exercising. Boobs on the move. Boobs on the move. (gasps) And on the move they are, because... We're going to get, I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil it, but there is a factual tidbit in this episode that involves a car, and it's blowing my mind, and I I can't wait to blow y'all's minds, too, because boobs, when you move, they move even faster. Breasts
0: are incredible. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They're incredible, but they can also make exercising incredibly challenging. Oh, for sure. And... This episode was inspired by research that I just stumbled across of how, uh, there are now two and only two studies looking at how, uh, breasts and our breast size influence women and girls' likelihood to exercise.
1: Yeah. Well, I, it's funny that we had like boob research Kismet, I think, because, uh, just further proving that you and I are somehow connected at the brainstem, because around the same time that you were stumbling across this research, I was separately having a conversation with someone else about how lady golfers frequently have to change their stance or have a different stance than male golfers because of their breasts getting in the way of their swing.
0: Yeah, there was uh this. Golf commentator who was quoted in one of the pieces I was reading from like 1995 where uh, during an LPGA event, he said on television, yeah, women's boobs just get in the way. Just like straight up said it. And well, the thing it's
1: not entirely wrong. I know. The
0: thing is like cringe reading that, but yeah. then at the same time it's like, well, you I mean you do have a point. And the thing is, it is time we pay a lot more attention to our breasts, whether we are exercising casually just for health and fitness, all the way up to professional sports like um, a professional golfer. And by pay attention to, I don't mean, of course, just ogling breasts because that is one deterrent of people not wanting to exercise. Yeah, that's already – we've got that
1: covered. Yeah. <laughs> the ogling of boobs, it's already – we're good.
0: Yeah, we're good, we're good on that end. But it's time for us to pay closer attention to figuring out how to vault over mm. exercise's boob barrier. Cause there is a, there's a breast barrier there. And as a small chested woman, I think this is why the research was so surprising to me. Not that I couldn't imagine how that was a barrier, but it's just something that I don't have to think about all that much. I, I jog and I can wear a compression sports bra and I'm good. Um, but not the case for women who have more than my A cups.
1: Yeah. Boob bounce is one of the more painful things that I have felt, Um, and I don't think you have to be like a double H to feel that way. I mean, I think boobs of any size bouncing hurts. Um, It's uncomfortable. Um, Literally, if I see a woman jogging down the side of the road and there's a lot of boob bouncage, my first thought is like... Oh, God, the pain, the pain, I can like feel it. It's like telegraphed onto my body. I can feel it.
0: Yeah. And if I if I'm not wearing a bra and and I'm running around, which, you know what? It happens sometimes, people. Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah. I'm picturing I picturing you just running in a circle in your apartment. Pretty
0: much. Yeah. Uh, that's how I get my feminist rage out. I'd throw <laughs> my bra off and just run in circles. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, even, even my very small breasts will experience that kind of pain too. I mean, yeah. boob, boob bounce pain I think is pretty universal. Well,
1: I mean, if there's one thing we do not need as women and girls, it is another barrier to exercise and to physical activity because there are some pretty disheartening stats out there. For instance, by the age of 14, girls are dropping out of sports at twice the rate that boys are.
0: And a lot of times the explanation for that, the go-to explanations are, oh, well, girls become a lot more self-conscious with puberty. Mm -hmm. Um, They are not as interested in uh, becoming like fit and potentially muscular, but they're more concerned about like beauty appearance. And, And that might be the case, but... Looking at the study we're about to, I think there's there's more boob to it than that. <laughs> and outside of organized sports, according to statistics from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, less than 20 percent of high school girls are getting their recommended amount of daily physical activity. And even that is half of what boys are getting. So like across the board. Boys are exercising more.
1: Yeah, and this is not only bad for just general health and establishing healthy, happy habits when you're a young person, but it also stinks because exercise is good for our breast health as well. It's not just making sure that you're a healthy weight and that you're fighting anxiety and depression with some good old physical activity, but your boobs could benefit from some moving around as well, and that's according to the Cleveland Clinic. Um, women who get plenty of exercise are 25% less likely to develop breast cancer because good, solid exercise, getting your daily recommended exercise can boost your immune function, it can ward off obesity, and it can lower levels of both estrogen and insulin.
0: And not to mention, it strengthens our bones and our hearts, which is very important for our holistic health as well, since women suffer far more from osteoporosis,
1: and heart disease is the number one killer of women. Right. And so while exercise can help your mental health, your ob- obviously your physical health, it can help improve body image when you feel stronger and more empowered. Your body image and your confidence can suffer if you feel like you can't exercise well or enough because your boobs are bouncing too much. And I mean, that sounds silly, but like, like we said, boob bounce. Can be painful. And more than being painful, it can also just draw unwanted attention, especially if you're one of those younger girls who's already a little bit self-conscious.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and and girls in general are um developing larger breasts earlier and at higher rates than they used to be. So this is something I mean, as soon as you become like aware of. Your developing body and how our developing body, particularly our breasts are so immediately sexualized Mm -hmm. that become, that can become a source of shame. And if we look though, just at the biomechanics of breasts, it's incredible. This is what I mean when I say that breasts are incredible. And Caroline, please share your car fact.
1: (laughs) This is my favorite little tidbit. So. You know, Kristen did mention that boobs and their movement and how they move has not been studied overly much yet. But one more recent study found that nipples on a C or D cup breast, when you as a person are moving, they can accelerate up to 45 miles per hour in one second, which my friends is faster than a Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite boob-related car fact or car-related boob fact. It's like a
0: mashup of stuff Mom Never Told You and our our, <laughs> our, our family podcast car stuff um, never before seen <laughs> together. Uh, in an, an hour of moderate jogging, as Amanda Hess noted over in ESPN magazine a couple years ago, our breasts will bounce several thousand times. And if you have large breasts, even if you have small breasts and they aren't supported well, Obviously, that can be painful because when we think of breast bouncing, we think of them just going up and down. In fact, they move in a figure eight motion, and large breasts can oscillate up to eight inches. And this is why, like, this is an extreme example, but this is also why, if like very large breasts in motion, can potentially even break your clavicle because they move that they move with that much force.
1: Oh, that. Sounds terrible, but it makes sense because before this podcast, I was talking to Holly from History Stuff, and she was talking about the very real divergence that happens when you are growing up and developing breasts of whatever size between the girls who go on to pursue ballet and the girls who, for instance, go on to pursue like hip hop dance or modern dance. Um and she then she of course made a joke because she's also a runner. Made a joke about as she was developing her boobs popping up and hitting her in the face.
0: <laughs> well, and I, I'm I'm assuming that you know ballet is obviously associated with smaller breasts. Mm-hmm. That's probably why I did ballet for quite a while oh. into high school.
1: But then she also Holly also brought up an interesting point which uh, I had not thought about before researching for this episode. That she was so thrilled when she was in college and sports bras finally came out in full force on the market because i just think of sports bras as like sure they've always existed the way that bras have existed for a long time no like having good support bra wise and like knowing enough about your boobs and about sports bras to support them correctly like that's kind of a new thing
0: oh it's still developing yeah. sports bra technology has not caught up to the biomechanics of our boobs and their figure eight patterns <laughs> Um and I realized as we were researching for this episode that we should do a whole separate one on the history of the sports bra ah. because it begins with a couple of ladies getting fed up and actually like tying two jock straps together
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope they were clean. Yeah,
0: because, I mean, you know, jock straps are essentially like men's sports bras, <laughs> like <laughs> te- testicular sports bras, right? The sports bro. Yeah. So if we look, though, at this issue of developing breasts and girls exercise and sports participation, the fact of the matter is we need better Bra education. Mm. And I would also argue and I'll get into this a little bit more. I would also argue that girls in public schools or in low income areas need more affordable, well-made sports bras. If we want to close that competitive sports gap, you know, with a drop off after they turn 14 at twice the rate of boys, sports bras are a big factor oh, with dude, this.
1: They're so expensive.
0: They're so expensive similar to, you know, the whole uh tampon uh t- free tampon tax yeah. initiative and how now in New York public schools, I believe they're going to be provided for free, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um and this is all sparked by A very recent study and the only study of its kind, which came out in February 2016 in the Journal of Adolescent Health. The study is titled The Influence of the Breast on Sport and Exercise Participation in School Girls in the UK. And in terms of pain, up to 72% of women and girls experience exercise related breast discomfort. Oh,
1: yeah. No surprise. I'm no stranger to that.
0: Yeah. But when they were talking to girls about their breasts and how their breasts influenced their exercise or sports participation, seventy-three percent of them cited at least one breast
1: related concern.
0: And the number one was embarrassment over bounce. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Are you ready for a sad Kara story? Yes.
0: (laughs) Because yeah, also again, because this is something I, I mean, I had zero boobs when I was like 13, 14 years old.
1: Yeah. So I was a little bit chubby when I was growing up. And as I was entering my prepubescent phase and I was sprouting the first hint of breastuses, um, I was getting a little bounce and it was uncomfortable. Suddenly, P.E., was painful. It was painful to go to the gym and do my, my lap around the track like I was supposed to. And so I, I went home and I asked my mom and I can't remember, this was in like fourth grade, fifth grade. And I asked to get a sports bra. And I mean, I was kind of excited by the idea, but also kind of the opposite of excited because it's like, Oh, yay, a bra, but also like, Oh crap. I'm growing up in a bra. Um, and so, you know, she was more than willing to take me shopping and I went and I got a bunch of very basic white sports bras Um, and I wore it to school because we had PE every day. And I remember so distinctly getting like stares because, you know, if you're wearing a white shirt, you can see that you're wearing a white bra underneath a white shirt. And I distinctly remember the popular girl walking by me and being like, Ugh are you wearing a bra? And I was just like, yeah. And I mean, she couldn't say anything after that. She bra shamed you? She bra shamed me. All because I was just developing differently. And I even remember. So fast forward to about seventh grade. I'm in science class. My teacher is this amazing guy. He's like so funny. He's everybody's favorite teacher. I think this might've been eighth grade. And He starts, like, making this – he starts telling this story where he is talking about his own high school career or whatever, middle school career, and talking about this girl who developed early and had to wear a bra. And he was making fun of her. And I remember turning bright red because I was one of the, if not the earliest, to wear a bra in my class simply because I just didn't want to have the bounce pain when I ran laps in the gym.
0: I am shaking my head at that teacher.
1: I know I'm I'm shaking my head at both of them because clearly there had not been enough education on that popular girl's part to understand that people develop differently. And that if you have more tissue or fat on your chest than someone else, the bounce is going to hurt. And on the teacher's part, like, what are you even thinking? You're talking to a co-ed classroom full of girls who are now presumably at this age all wearing bras or most of them. So like what? What is this what is the making fun of and the shaming purpose? Yeah,
0: also just inappropriate on a bazillion levels oh, for yeah. a teacher. Should we be talking about that? And and I wonder with this study and, and the embarrassment that's cited, whether it's more just sort of an internalized thing of when your breasts are moving, you just it makes your body feel really obvious. Yeah. And when you are twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old. At least in in my recollection, the last thing you want to do is be super obvious. Mm-hmm. So whether it's something more personal like that or if it's the experience of having their breasts being ogled by boys and let's face it, also men, mm-hmm. um, because this reminds me your school stories remind me of high school when uh, in ninth and 10th grade, our class would go on a retreat at the beginning of the school year and we would go swimming. And there was a girl in my grade who was very petite and she had very large breasts. And I remember when she uh, went swimming, she wore a T-shirt and everyone was like, why is she wearing a T-shirt? And they were like, oh, it's because she's got such big boobs. And then when she finally like braved taking off her shirt because she was so tired of people giving her a hard time for wearing a shirt, the guys lost it. You know, and and, yeah. and even the girls were like, oh, my God, do you see her boobs? They're as if, so big. As if
1: she's like doing something to you on purpose. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. I mean, there's so much. I mean, and this is what I mean by the education. Like, we have really, I mean, we stigmatize girls' breasts a lot. Yeah. So it's no surprise that that embarrassment factor is the number one. And it's not just, yeah, not just inflicted by... You know, people in public, you know, attention, unwanted attention from boys, but also the number two reason for embarrassment that the girls cited in this study was having to change in front of other girls. And I remember this too when I was taking ballet, speaking of uh, ballet boobs <laughs> a few <laughs> minutes ago. Um, you know, we all changed together and you quickly had to get like comfortable, yeah. um, getting naked in front of girls and, uh, For me, it wasn't too embarrassing because in ballet, you were like expected to be flat chested. But if it hadn't been like these these girls who I was also like very close friends with, there were maybe like six of us, you know, it was a safe space Mm -hmm. to have to get naked. But in the locker room. Oh, no, I would. I would have been embarrassed, too. Yeah. You know, if you're already feeling awkward in your body and maybe you are developing faster than other girls. No good. So the final piece, though, of bra education is that the number three concern they cited was 15 percent of the girls said that their boobs were simply too big to exercise, that it wouldn't be healthy. And that's, you know, a common fallacy that we think where it's like, yeah, I mean, if I run around, that's going to be it hurts. Therefore, it must be bad for my breasts. But in fact, the problem is that we don't have supportive enough and accessible
1: enough. Sports
0: bras, because a lot of them also weren't wearing sports bras at all.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, I was wearing, like, the same type of sports bra. I don't know when I first got a real, quote-unquote, bra. Because, I mean, dude, like, those sports bras, like, for when you're, like, kind of pre booby mm-hmm. you're not totally booby yep. yet. Yeah, the
0: breast buds, which I know that's the correct anatomical term, but it squicks me out. It
1: squicks me out, too. I don't like that either. Um, But in this study, too... They found that 46 percent of girls between 11 and 18 said that their boobs did influence their sports participation. And that was true for 63 percent of larger breasted girls compared to 45 percent of girls with smaller breasts.
0: So obviously more common for larger breasted girls, too, but not
1: uncommon for girls with smaller breasts.
0: Exactly. That's what I was about to say. I mean, this is like an issue across the board. And like I said, not many were even wearing a sports bra. Only 10 percent wore a sports bra every time they exercised. And I wonder, this is something that didn't come up in anything that we read. And I was like, well, kind of shaking my hands at my computer because hello, like, Bras are expensive. I mean, I grew up in a family without much money, and I remember that, like, I got my first, like, set of bras, and those were, like, the bras that I was going to have to use. And, yeah, I had a sports bra, but it was like a Kmart sports bra, and thank God I didn't have larger breasts because, of course, it would not have been able to support me.
1: Well, and there's also the embarrassment factor, too. Thank God I had a mother who was, like, super ready at any point to take me shopping for whatever I needed, Um, because I'm sure, I'm sure like her as a grown woman was like, you don't need a sports bra, but she was willing to be supportive as supportive as that sports bra. Um, but I'm sure that there are people with other, you know, different family situations where it would be horrifically embarrassing to have to ask your parent or your guardian or whoever to take you sports bra shopping.
0: Single dad. Yeah. Oh, um, and, and in this study again, for girls who exercised the most, they worried the most about how sports bras fit and also how their breasts looked while exercising. So we are pretty much immediately like kind of scrutinizing and feeling nervous about the appearance of our breasts almost as, as soon as we get them and hammering home again, my bra education platform, 87% of those girls Wanted to just know more about breasts in general. They hadn't been taught that much. And I have a feeling that kind of like the sex ed talk at home, you probably don't get a lot much breast education at home because it's one of those things where it's like, "Ooh, we don't we don't need to, you know, fast forward your development too much.
1: Or it's like, you you know, oh, you're getting them.
0: Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, and there's a lot that. Adult grown up women don't know about their own breasts. Have I ever been professionally fitted for a bra? No, I haven't. I'm sure I'm wearing the wrong size bra. Right I now. have.
1: Side note. Okay. You know how like sometimes on the podcast we'll talk about a health issue and we're like maybe get a second opinion? Don't be afraid to get a second bra opinion as well. So I took a friend's advice and went to a particular department store. This is for regular bras, not sports bras that will remain nameless and it will remain nameless because it was a horrific experience. The women were nice enough. I mean, they were fine, but they were essentially telling me and and based on my experience as a person with breasts who identifies as a woman and is alive um, I've worn b- bras for a long time and I know what fits and feels good and I know enough to know that you shouldn't wear a bra that is so tight that it feels like it's cutting off your blood flow Um and these women at this department store were essentially telling me that that's what I needed to do I needed to wear a bra that was so tight that it was going to then stretch out and then it would fit and I was like I right, that's Not a thing, but I am now naked in this dressing room with you, so I can't tell you that you're full of it. Um, so they basically said that I needed to wear a bra that was significantly smaller than the size that I was wearing comfortably on a normal basis. Smaller cup size or
0: smaller? Much smaller band size size.
1: and much bigger cup size. I was like, okay, well, this is, I'm just going to, this isn't right. Uh, I won't walk you through my entire mental uh process, but I was like, this is this is so wrong. Um, And then I went to another store and was fitted by a nice elderly woman who essentially told me that, yes, you're exactly right the size that you're wearing, <laughs> but it, it's still good to go through that process of getting sized and fitted by someone who has been trained, and knows what she's doing, and don't be afraid to get a second bra pinion. Well, and even just basics about our breast
0: health and how our breasts work and concerns about, how our breasts look, whether it's, you know, being shy about areola size or a random mole or hair, you know, all of these things that we have just sanitized from girls' educations. Um, cause, you know, 44% of the girls in that study too wanted to know specifically about, you know, breasts and sports bras as it applies to, to exercise and Women could also use some more support as well. Uh, and again, this is something that's been really understudied. There's only, there are only, you know, a couple of studies looking at this. Uh, one of the most recent ones was in 2012 in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, which studied London marathon competitors. And you might think, huh, well, that's a pretty uniform, you know, sample population there. But in fact, that encompassed a range of shapes and sizes, including 56 different bra sizes from double A's to double H's and band sizes from 28 to 40 inches. So the methodology is sound. And they found that more than a third of those women reported breast soreness. But the correlation between breast soreness and exercise is not so clear cut because, hello, you know what makes our breasts sore our menstrual cycles. And that is something I can attest uh, to.
1: Yeah. So like before I had an IUD, I never got breast soreness ever. I really never had PMS before I had an IUD. And uh suddenly I'm, you know, like a 32 year old woman breaking out and crampy and also like wanting to murder other drivers on the road. And my boobs hurt. And it's crazy because my boobs get so big right before my period and they hurt and I'm like, oh, it's coming. Uh, because period related breath soreness, the struggle is real.
0: The struggle is real. And I've had days when they're just like so sore that yeah, I, I'm like, okay, it's going to be a yoga day. We are not going to go jogging. Why I'm referring to myself in the royal we, I don't know.
1: <laughs> um, well, no, you, you're encompassing all three of you. Oh, yes. Me and uh, Lucinda and
0: Lucille. Well, I was trying to think of, you know, some rad ladies, maybe like me and Gloria Steinem and Flo Kennedy. That's my my little triumvirate. Um, And that London Marathon study, though, found that, in fact, my breast soreness is real. Even A-cups get sore. 25% of A-cup women in the study reported soreness. And having a baby can influence this because as we talked about in our last episode on the science of saggy breasts, pregnancy structurally like changes our our boobs.
1: Yeah, hormones don't discriminate. No. It doesn't matter what size your uh boob is, your hormone is probably gonna make it hurt. Yeah. Your your singular hormone. And I don't know why I said that one like that. hormone. But so the results of all of this pain, this discomfort, the self- Uh, consciousness, well, you've got a lot of women in this study who ended up training less intensely or skipping training altogether.
0: And we're going to get to this in just a little bit, but do not be disheartened because there is a surprisingly effective remedy for a lot of that pain, Hmm. and that's called a well-fitting sports bra. Huh? Yeah, but more on that in just a little bit. Because there was a more recent study from April 2015 that, like the, the British study, which was actually, I think, inspired by this study, um, looked at the correlations between women's breast size and exercise participation. And it found that 17% of women avoid exercise for boob-related reasons, specifically lack of a comfortable supportive sports bra. And here we go again, bounce embarrassment.
1: Yes. Excessive bounce. Yeah. Well, I know because people are already staring at boobs all the time. And if they are then boobs in motion, Mm -hmm. people are going to be like, even if it's not literally to ogle you in a sexual way, if it's just like, oh, look at those boobs bouncing, Mm -hmm. you know, it. You get tired of drawing attention to your boobs.
0: And listen, not to get uh, too TMI about it, but we've already talked a lot about our own breasts. I'll go ahead and add another fact about my boobs and exercise. Obviously, the excessive bounce thing, not so much an issue for me. But one reason why I am hesitant to go jogging, especially on a busy thoroughfare, in just a sports bra without a shirt or tank top over it, is because of uh, nipples. If, like, oh, yeah. if nibbles are visible, like, at all, you know, the, if the old headlights turn on, because that just happens, um, you will get looks. And, yeah, I mean, of course, it's just, like, a thing, you know, I'm sure people's eyes are just kind of naturally drawn to it. But I have felt so self-conscious before jogging and realizing, you know, in just a sports bra and then initially being like, "Yes, I'm running in just a sports bra and embracing my body. No big deal. Do- oh, god, my nipples are <laughs> really on on parade." Um,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's I the sports bra that I had, like my main sports bra, uh, squeezes the life out of me, and part of that is that it flattens not only flattens my boobs to my chest so much, but it also flattens and camouflages the nips as well. Well, I'm I'm gonna
0: have a couple follow up questions for you about that when we get to our sports bra uh section because the whole flattening thing um is pertinent, (laughs) pertinent
1: like like pert yes breasts like breasts pertinent to your pert pert breasts,
0: (laughs) but in that April 2015 study on uh, exercise and women's breast size. One major factor that correlated to higher exercise rates was not smaller breasts, but rather higher rates of breast health knowledge. Yes, be empowered. Again, be educated, broad education, of knowing about sports bra fits, knowing what should feel okay, and knowing that if we experience pain or soreness, it is not necessarily because exercise is bad for our boobs. But one thing that didn't come up in either of these studies we've talked about that, came to mind as i was reading this was what about boob sweat yeah because maybe there's an embarrassment factor around Mm -hmm. that although honestly when i sweat a lot during um when i'm exercising i'm kind of proud of like all my all my sweat a little bit um but if you have larger breasts boob sweat can be also a source of discomfort
1: well yeah because not only is there again the risk of being ogled because like you got a sweaty chest Or possible discomfort because it's slipping and sliding down there. But also, like, for bigger chests, bigger breasts, you can potentially develop, like, a skin condition if you don't dry off, if you don't have a sports bra or a shirt that has wicking properties to get all of that moisture away from your skin.
0: Yeah, breathability is an important thing to look for in sports bras because that underboob sweat, which apparently some people call swoob, can lead to chafing, possible rashes, and even yeast infections Mm -hmm. if that moisture hangs around long enough. And I became aware of this a couple years ago when um, a a breast antiperspirant came out on the market and immediately sites like Jezebel – Jumped on it and were like, Oh, here we go again. Just pathologizing something else. We really need antiperspirant for our boobs now. This is ridiculous. Um, although I will say, uh, the brand name bust dust is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Baby powder can also work. And finally, some larger breasted feminists on the internet said, uh, hey, excuse.
1: Um, I see what you mean there, but for larger breasted women,
0: this is a thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, better to wear boob deodorant or boob powder than having to go to the dermatologist and getting an antifungal topical cream. You know, I mean, thank God that exists. But wouldn't you rather just wear <laughs> boob powder than having to go go to the dermatologist because you have a boob yeast infection? Yeah, I mean, and,
0: and all and that short sightedness to me yet again goes around to our just lack of i'm going to keep saying it should i just trademark it i think so (laughs) kind of like clitoracy you need some broadication yes but what happens when boobs go pro we're (laughs) going to talk about that when we come right back from a quick break
1: and now back to the show So like
0: you said at the top of the podcast, Caroline, with your example of women's golfing, breasts can literally get in the way of uh, competitive sports.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, if (laughs) just look at mythology, if you talk about the Amazons, according to Amazon myth, they just totally lopped off a whole boob so that they could be more effective with their archery. And there
0: are a lot of professional or elite athletes who have undergone Breast reductions yes. in an attempt to improve their athletic performance. Although we should note that there is no study corroborating that that, um, will reliably improve your game or your time, whatever.
1: Are we surprised? I mean, there's been like all of like three boob sports studies. Sports yeah. boobs? Sports, sports, sports boobs studies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and also I think there, you know, we just don't. We just don't understand still, like, how women's bodies work from head to toe all that well. Um, But in competitive sports, such as golfing, obviously, archery, hurdlers, gymnasts, tennis players, anything where you have a swing, water polo players, apparently, like, keeping your boobs in the water. Oh, I mean, yeah. How many times have you jumped into a body of water, whether it is a pool or a lake or something, and that top just flies right off? I know that they're in one pieces, but... Boobs but still, the there's the risk
1: of them trying to escape from the top. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Which happens. And even, uh, Ronda Rousey, MMA fighter, um, in the sports bras, mm-hmm. you know, that the fighters will wear has had to contend with potential nip slips. Yeah,
1: because wasn't it her first professional UFC fight that, um, what the, her opponent was like on her back trying to essentially break her neck. And so she was worried about like, well, okay, I've got to survive, but also my sports bra is slipping dangerously lower and lower and lower. So she's fighting this woman with one hand and fighting with her sports bra with the other, basically. But if her, if she had experienced a sports bra malfunction during that fight, it certainly would not have been the first boob to be out at a sporting event.
0: Yes. So
1: Amanda has.
0: Noted this in a piece she wrote over at ESPN magazine, which I was so thrilled to see when it it came out a couple years ago, because I was like, yes, sports boobs. Hello. No one's talking about that. She cited this incident in 1997 when then 18 year old Eritrean runner Nebiot Hobtimeriam had to run the majority of a 5K meter qualifying heat with her boob out because she I don't know if she, like, left her sports bra at home or what, but she had to borrow one.
1: No, not even. just a camisole? She borrowed a singlet. Oh, my God. And didn't have a sports bra under it. Oh. And so... She started running and...
0: Immediately. And her boobs started running away, too. Yeah, well, because, as we've discussed in the first part of this episode, your boobs are on the move, majorly. Yeah, and and Hess noted in the article that... Understandably, this athlete like didn't leave her apartment for a week. She was just mortified. Yeah. Again, thank God Twitter didn't exist.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, big time. But, you know, you mentioned that there's no real study to corroborate claims that smaller breasts or no breasts uh, helps your game. Um, but plenty of women have pursued this route. In 2009, Romanian tennis star Simona Halep got a breast reduction to help improve her play. And her play actually did improve. She was a 34 double D at the time before her reduction. But there was a petition that a bunch of guys circulated, like asking her to not have the surgery.
0: And there you go. There's the ogling factor. Mm-hmm. Thanks for nothing because boob bounce embarrassment roots back to that kind of nonsense.
1: Yeah, but the next year, you have Australian hurdler Jana Rawlinson, who announced that she was going to get her breast implants removed to try to improve her chances of making it to the 2012 Olympics. Uh She actually didn't make it because of a foot injury, not because of boobs or no boobs. And even though, like
0: we said, there isn't any... firm data on this. Plastic surgeons such as Dr. Ed Dominankis, who was speaking to the Orange County Register, assume that breast implants and larger breasts are a negative in sports like golf, tennis, and track. Although uh the doctor said except in boxing they might help because they would quote soften the blow, to which I was like, okay, this man has never been punched in the boobs. (laughs) <laughs> we talked no about this
1: in our last episode.
0: We did. And some people, speaking of the MMA and Ronda Rousey, some have suggested that chest strikes, a.k.a. boob punches, should be um banned in women's UFC fighting. Mm-hmm. But Rousey's like, what? No, no. just You just protect your chest.
1: Well, there was an entire Reddit thread where somebody was trying to figure out how badly getting punched in the boob does hurt. And it was so... Fascinating to me to look at the responses because so many women were like, "Oh, it's the worst. I will have to lie down on the ground to recover." And other women were like, "No, it doesn't hurt at all." Um, to me, a boob hit really hurts.
0: Oh yeah, a boob hit <laughs> when you are like on the verge of a period.
1: Oh, don't even. I can't even like. I can't even touch them. It there, hurts.
0: there are so many Yahoo answers type Google results uh, asking whether. Getting punched in the breast or the testicles hurts more, to which I'm like, Internet, find something better to do with your time. <laughs> it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. But OK, so back to boxing, though, uh, and punching everybody in their boobs in the ring. Uh, in 2009, British amateur boxer Sarah Bluden was not allowed to compete in the UK's Amateur Boxing Association events because of her breast implants.
0: Yeah, and their defense was saying that it was because of risk to breast tissue, but plastic surgeons that uh, the Orange County Register and reporting on this talked to disagreed, saying that our breasts <laughs> take more of a beating, so to speak, in just day-to-day life than her implants would. And Bluden said they're gel implants, and so it's not like they could possibly rupture. Ooh. So... um. That was I mean, that's just something you would rarely see of an athlete intentionally enlarging her breasts. Yeah. Um And I would also imagine, too, that this is a factor for uh, beach volleyball mm, where, yeah. you know, I mean, the Olympics is happening as we are recording this podcast. And, um, you know, a lot of uniforms are essentially like sports bras and and briefs. And that is one of the reasons why it's a really popular sport for a male audience.
1: Oh, have you seen the meme circulating about beach volleyball? It's showing a woman uh, in com- she's got a hijab and she's completely covered. She's on one side of the volleyball net. And then there's I don't know, she's American or Australian on the other side in her what is basically bikini, but sports bra and briefs. And they were like, now tell us that one country isn't more empowered than the other. Meaning that, like, look at this white woman in her bikini. She's clearly so much more free to live life the way she wants to. Oh, I thought it was the reverse where. No, it was the white guy was like, see, America is more free. And basically the entire Internet jumped on this guy. Like, are you serious? Yeah, because what I saw
0: was women are wearing hijabs for personal choice, whereas that uniform is required. So which is more free? Also, again, Internet, find something better to do with your time. For,
1: for serious.
0: Uh, such as learning about sports bra technology. Yeah,
1: much more productive.
0: <laughs> um, here's the thing. We need, and I mean this seriously, we need better sports bra technology. Yeah. It is sorely, emphasis on sorely needed. And this was something that Nicola Brown, who was the lead author of that London Marathon study, Mm. was saying to the New York Times. I mean, she was saying, like, this is just like a matter of basic wellness for women. There are not adequate sports bras that are affordable. I mean, you can get a really high tech, super duper sports bra, but it's going to cost you upwards of 60, 80 dollars.
1: Yeah, if not more. I mean, there was a great, was it on BuzzFeed yeah. that they sent differently shaped women mm-hmm. to try on the same sports bras to see how they all worked with different bodies? Um, and I think two of, two of the women chose the same bra, but then the other two chose different ones because just because this one bra is supposed to be so great doesn't mean it's going to work for your body type. But often the ones that are more supportive do tend to be more (laughs) outrageously expensive. Yeah,
0: for all of them, the worst performing was the cheapest Hanes
1: sports bra. Yeah, which was a bummer to me. You know, because a lot of
0: times my sports bra shopping involves just like walking into Target, grabbing what I see and then um, no. buying some
1: housewares that I don't need. Well, of course. That is my struggle as well in life. Um, but the thing, though, about sports bras is you're supposed to replace them so often, like a toothbrush. And so I don't. I don't. Because they're so expensive.
0: Yeah. I um, didn't realize that. I basically need to get rid of all but two of my sports bras. But the thing is, though, sports bras make a massive difference in terms of that breast soreness issue. This is Mm -hmm. the fact that I was teasing to earlier where uh, Nicola Brown, that researcher, said that their right-fitting sports bra can reduce breast discomfort, regardless of your breast size, in around 85% of women who experience it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it's a pretty powerful sports bra. Right yeah. there. But it's just a matter of getting the right fit. I, I would argue that a right fitting sports bra is
1: even more important than a right fitting bra bra. bra. Oh, although I am more likely to cry trying on sports bras than regular bras, because if you want a very supportive sports bra, it's probably going to be very restrictive. So trying to get in and out of them do you know how hard it is to like try to squeeze into a sports bra only to find out that it's either too big or too small and then trying to pull it off and you like dislocate your shoulder and then you're crying at Nike and it, you realize your blood sugars crashed. I mean, that's why you get the ones with the back clasps. <sighs> yeah, that'd be helpful.
0: Yeah, <laughs> those do exist, but again, those are going to be your pricier bras. Um And in, in the same way as we talked about with the science of, Breast sag in our last podcast. I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, we're just late to the game on all of this. We didn't start studying breast biomechanics until the 1990s. Um, probably because you finally had more women, um, in the field being like, Hey, here is something that directly applies to my life. Um, mm-hmm. and we should study, but also breasts are just really hard to study like this because they're so varied. Yeah. And it's hard to replicate. The, a, a, um, a representative breast population in motion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like you would, how, how do you? record not,
1: that. Well, right. Not Obviously not all breasts are the same size and shape, but obviously not everybody is literally only running on a treadmill. Right. You know, there's like obviously so many different types of activity, even just walking around day to day, that you would need a different type of sports bra for.
0: But the big thing that I learned in terms of sports bra technology is that originally they were just all about compression, mm-hmm. smush them down, keep them in. And those are the basic like uniboob style sports bras are probably the most familiar with. But now companies like a Brooks or a Nike are looking at how to isolate specific movement areas. I thought you were going to say how to isolate specific boobs, specific boob, boobment areas <laughs> um, because of that figure eight motion. Yeah. You know, and, and man, I want to be like I want to go to that lab. I want to go to that sports bra lab so bad. If anyone listening can hook me up. With some sports bra research. But that just got me thinking about boob art.
1: Like, what if you paint your nipples and then run in front of a canvas? Like, would you get some cool figure eights going?
0: There's only one way to find out. I know. (laughs) Talk talk about the best, like, Pinterest craft. (laughs) Um, I'm sure it's been done. (laughs) But in the meantime, until our perfect, magical, affordable sports bra that I argue should be, like, government-subsidized for low-income People with breasts, whatever your gender identity is, um, there are some tips for things that you can do to alleviate some of that pain. Specifically, if you have larger breasts, look for encapsulation style sports bras rather than the uniboob style because... Those encapsulation style sports bras are the ones that have separate cups. And right now in the studio, I am (laughs) making a a cup gesture
1: at Caroline. It's more like the Lady Gaga monster hands, honestly. (laughs) It feels a little aggressive (laughs) because I'm doing it at you. Keep those away from me.
0: (laughs) But those encapsulation styles are, are way more effective at controlling movement. And that was something that was corroborated in that BuzzFeed experiment trying to find the perfect bra where um, the, the two women with the largest breasts were like, oh my God, I had no idea. As soon as they put on an, an encapsulation style bra, it was a whole new
1: world. And also the focus doesn't need to be so much on whether you have underwire or whether you have adjustable straps on your sports bra because 80% of your bra support actually comes from the band around your ribs, which I can adjust to with my sports bra that made me cry. In the Nike dressing room.
0: But underwire and adjustable straps, those like clippy things, if you have a larger frame, those are going to dig into your skin. So avoid
1: that. Well, especially, yeah, especially if you're doing some type of uh, lengthy exercise, like if you're going to go running for hours, um, that can eventually really make you hate life.
0: Also, just running for hours, right. plural.
1: For hourling, like, I don't know. Maybe you're doing an Iron Man.
0: Maybe so. An Iron Woman. An Iron Ironman. Ironman. Um. Again, the
1: back clasps can make life a lot easier. So can front <laughs> clasps. Oh yes, the front clasp. Although, but then that would make it harder if you do have the what did you call it? Encapsulated style. The because f- you need if you've got that style, you need the front and center of the bra to be resting on your breastbone. Um, and the band to be sitting comfortably. So the front clasps might interfere with that. Um, just all the more important to maybe talk to somebody who knows, who has a better broad education. Uh, also look for breathability. Yes. That's a big factor for reducing
0: potential chafe and those super strappy Lululemon bras that are really cute might
1: not work the best support wise um yeah like maybe maybe if you're going to like go do yoga or some low impact thing where you just want to wear a sports bra but you don't care about bouncing or support all that much maybe yeah i mean
0: like the two, two of the girls in the BuzzFeed piece chose the Lululemon bra. Um, one of them was smaller chested, but the other girl who chose them, I think was a C cup. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Lululemon bras will cost you a fortune, but I mean, they are very well made. But again, those, the multi-strappy, <laughs> multiple straps don't equal multiple support. Cause again, it's all about that waistband or the, um, chestband, excuse me. And- <laughs> Maybe you've got a waistband on your bra. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, how how, how high are on your your, pants? your girdle bra? And again, you know, you're probably going to have to to replace them more often the way that you would your tennis shoes. You know, if you're if you're out there running every single day, for instance, you're going to have to replace your tennis shoes or your running shoes more often than someone like me who doesn't run, um, but who used to. All right, stop judging. Um, it's the same with your sports bras. They're with all of that supporting and the stretching and everything that's happening and washing them regularly, I hope. They're eventually going to get worn down.
0: They are. And I think the, the biggest thing that I would advocate and also listeners, I would love some tips on how to better do this, but we need to do such a better and more vigilant job of just normalizing breast development for girls. Yeah, um, because obviously like we need Better sports bras. Yes. But, you know, the fact that for girls and women alike, that embarrassment factor Mm -hmm. plays such a prominent role in determining whether we do or don't exercise for health's sake. This is not about staying thin. This is about being healthy.
1: What did Sissy Spacex mother call them and carry dirty pillows? We need to, like, get away from the mentality that what is on your chest as you're developing through puberty are dirty and somehow embarrassing and shameful because it's just part of your body so the more that we can understand about our anatomy and our development what's healthy what's unhealthy uh, the better for all of us and hopefully the fewer um popular girls who will approach girls like me and s- for some reason shame them about needing to wear a bra
0: very bizarre to me bra shaming because that was something i thought that would be like a badge of pride like who got their period first i don't know I don't know. We can't all live in a Judy Bloom book, I it's guess. It's true. It's true. And when it comes to broad education, boys need it too in the sense of raising boys to treat and look at girls as humans rather than sex objects. Yeah. So, and, and for them too to just understand like basic female development, mm-hmm. you know, um, destigmatize all of this stuff. It's healthy for everybody. So with that listeners, we want to hear all of your thoughts. I know we have a lot of uh people who exercise whether with organized sports or casually work out in our audience. I know a lot of people are probably listening to this podcast while they are jogging or at the gym and I'm so curious to know whether this rings true for you and any tips that you can offer, any Sports bras that you can recommend. Yes. Send it all our way. Momstuff at howstuffworks dot com is our email address. You can also tweet us at momstuff podcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you
1: right now. So I have a letter here from Eleanor about our two-parter talking to Terry O'Neill, the president of the National Organization for Women. Eleanor writes, OMG! Your latest podcast interviewing Terry O'Neill had me crying tears of joy. I loved hearing her talk about the support of black women on Twitter and LGBTQIA people. It made me so proud of all of our trailblazers and filled me with feminist pride. I've only thought of NOW as a pretty chill organization, but it had some problematic history. But I'm so glad you guys taught me about their intersectionality. Plus, I really enjoyed the mentions about how NOW wanted women to stay angry. It inspired me to find my anger and go march and picket and protest in the streets. Let's get the ERA passed, y'all. Let's go, angry feminists. Thanks for your fantastic podcast. Eleanor, and she says, P.S., screw Judge Aaron Persky. (laughs) Yeah, and and Judge
0: Persky is the one who uh, made the decision in the Stanford rape case to essentially let a rapist off. I have just the most touching letter from Catherine, who writes... When I turned 20, I dropped out of college. I'd been major hopping for two and a half years and realized I had to decide what to do with my life in order to justify taking out more student loans. I spent the next two years working a dead-end job in a manufacturing plant, typically spending three days a week on the production floor and two days a week doing custodial work. I want to go on record as saying that factory workers are some of the hardest working and kindest people in the world, and our entire society would crumble without them. Hear, hear. However, I hated my job. I actually looked forward to my cleaning days because scrubbing toilets meant I was allowed to listen to my iPod. So fast forward to Catherine's discovery of stuff mom never told you. And she says, One day I heard the first Sminty episode about librarians. And the one she's referencing, folks, was I think from 2009 or 10 years ago. She says, I ended up spending the last hour and a half of the day, hidden in the cleaning supply closet, perched on an upturned five-gallon bucket, Googling how to become a librarian on my phone. I had achieved step one to a happy life. Figure out what you want. It was time for step two. Figure out what you have to do to get it. I discovered that in order to become a librarian and run my own library someday, I needed to go to grad school, which meant going back and getting my bachelor's, which was somewhat intimidating. Within a few weeks, I'd applied to two schools, one that offered a B.A. in women's and gender studies and a community college as a safety school to boost my GPA. My essay and letters of recommendation must have been convincing because I was accepted and I majored in women and gender studies. And for a school in a state that's around 90 percent white, we had an amazingly intersectional program. More than half of the W.S.G. professors I had were women of color. Three of my favorite professors are immigrants, and I had at least as many queer professors as straight. Instead of listening to Sminty while scrubbing toilets, I was listening during my commute to school, and Sminty episode topics and fun facts made it into my papers and classroom discussions on a regular basis. This past May, I graduated as a member of our WSG Honor Society, Iota, 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 and finished my undergrad with a 3.4 GPA... I'm the first of my immediate family to finish college. In a couple of months, I'm heading to the University of Denver, my first choice grad school, where I will be getting my master's in library and information sciences. I'm currently on the longest step to a happy life. Step three, do the work. Even though the original librarian episode was before Caroline's time, I thought it was important that I share my story with you wonderful ladies. One episode of this podcast sparked an epiphany that completely altered the trajectory of my life. I highly doubt I'm the only one out there who has had this type of experience. On behalf of all of us who have had their lives changed by this podcast, I want to say thank you so freaking much. Even though we've never met, I love you both to the moon and back. Well, Kat, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, you are a badass. And third, thank you for one of the best letters we have ever received. And, um... I don't want to put words in your mouth, Caroline, but I can say for myself that y'all have changed my life as much as perhaps we have changed yours. So thank you so much. And if you have letters to make us cry as well, momstuffathowstuffworks.com is our email address and for links to all of our social media, as well as all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts with our sources. So you can learn so much more about boobs. (laughs) Head on over to StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.